this morning, once again, I have the honor and the privilege of sharing his word, and I, I love sharing his word. I was looking back three years ago of um, just where I started and taking on the church uh, with the whole group of you, um, and, you know, looking back and just thinking, I am so honored to be able to share the word of God. I'm so honored to be standing here and sharing his word. It's such a privilege to be doing that. So it is every time I'm on, I'm on here, I am privileged, I am honored, and thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for letting me share the word with you. Um, so this year, we're on a theme called Reviving Christ, and uh, the Holy Spirit has been leading us on a journey through the various preachers that we've had, the whole team that we've had coming up here every Sunday. Um, everyone's bringing in something, carrying through a theme, and the theme is Reviving Christ, and the Holy Spirit's been moving through each and every one of those uh, messages, and really the, the reviving Christ is an internal reality that we want to experience, an internal reality that the Holy Spirit is leading us into that reality of knowing who our God is, knowing his character, knowing his perfect love, and knowing who we are through that, and, and that is going to bring that revival inside of us, and it's, it's like a reawakening inside of us when we know who our God is. And it's such a powerful thing to see that and walk that out. And I'm seeing that we're halfway through the year and I'm seeing what God has been doing. And the more he does on the inside, I'm seeing the more he's doing on the outside. And it's such a powerful thing to be seeing that and experiencing. And, um, you know, reviving in him is truly understanding and having that complete confident assurance, that confident trust in him, in him, in, through his words, through his character. And as we understand him, we understand us. And as we understand us, we start to walk out our identity in Christ. And a few weeks ago when I was up here last, I shared a word of trust. And I'm going to continue on that today. I, I sensed many hearts after that message that I, that I preached on trust. Many hearts were turning back to him. Many hearts were recommitting and repinning. If you remember that, repinning their, their lives back on the firm foundation of the Word of God. And it was so encouraging to see that, so encouraging that people have made that recommitment to repin. In their hearts. It's not that people have come up and said, hey, I've made a decision, but I can sense it. You know it. You know what you're doing. You know you're repinning your heart. You know there's an internal awakening going on. It's amazing to see. And um, last week, Yvonne shared, um, Yvonne did a powerful message, and it was a really encouraging message on hope. And I was thinking about it, I watched it, and I thought, it really ties in with trust. It, it ties in with trust in God. It goes hand in hand. And because if I look at it in the, in the dictionary, and I said that a, a, a few weeks ago, in the dictionary it says, trust means relying on the integrity, strength, and ability of something. And this is what else it means. It means having a hope, a confident expectation of something. So that real hope that event's talking about, that unquenchable, that active, that living hope that comes from the inside out, it's a confident expectation a confident and an assurance, a trust that God is in control, a confident expectation of him that God is going to fulfill what he says through his words. And if you're not experiencing that kind of hope right now in some way, um, or even right now if you're always feeling fear or worry or anxiety, it's constant habit coming up. It's constantly coming up. And sometimes it can feel uncontrollable. Or sometimes it can feel like you can't, you can't quite get a grip on, on a handle on it. 
and, and, what's, and what you're going through and the issues that you're going through, looking at the situations around you. And if that's constantly coming up, if, it's, if there's constant anxiety, constant fear, constant worry, and constant worry in general, uh, or in generally in, in, any, in any parts of your life, um, the real question you've got to ask yourself is, do you trust God? And that's, that's a very real question. And I like to ask that for myself. Because if I know where I'm at, I can, I know where I can go to my next step. So it's really important that you know where you're at. Do you trust him? And the truth is, if you think about it, it's a great question to ask because how do you hope in someone that you don't trust? You know, we we're talking about hope last week. How do you hope in somebody if you don't trust that person? How do you have faith in someone that you don't trust? Yeah, it's a good question to ask. If you don't trust a person, how do you have faith in them? So in the same way, if you don't trust God, how do you have faith in him? See, we can't have that active living hope in the word of God. We can't have that active hope and trust in him. And if we don't trust him, if we don't have faith, you know, we can't say that we have faith in God if we don't trust him. That, that's the truth of it. And because faith without trusting God is not really faith at all. You can't say you have faith if you don't trust See, if you think about it, our whole, our whole faith, all of our faith, everything that we believe in, it relies on trust. That's what it relies on. We trust in God's word that it's ab- absolute truth. That's what we've got to trust in. We trust in God's sovereignty, meaning that he is the one and only God. He is the one true God, the creator of all things, the creator of all life, that by him all things are made for him and by him. Amazing. We trust in God's character. We trust in his perfect love. We trust in who he is. We trust in his forgiveness. We trust in him. We trust in his holiness, in his faithfulness. We trust in the eternal hope of salvation through Jesus Christ. See, our faith relies on trust. We trust that we are a new creation in our new identity in Christ. See, faith involves trusting God. And without trust, we can't have faith at all. See, faith is described in uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. See, faith involves putting your hope in him. That's what it involves, above, above what you physically see around you. So when you put your hope in him and you fix your eyes on him, the one that you cannot see, but you fix your eyes on him and have that faith in him, everything around you seems pretty insignificant. Everything around you, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what you're going through, you can still have that hope because you have that faith and you have that trust in him. To have faith, we need to trust in God. We need to hope in him. We need to, we have that hope that we need to trust in him. To be revived in Christ, we need to trust God. To hope in him, we need to trust God. To have faith, we need to trust him. See, trust is an intentional decision. You've got to make an intentional act, an intentional decision to trust in someone or something. It's a commitment and it's a choice to trust in him. It's a commitment, it's a choice to trust in him completely for your whole life and everything around you. It's a commitment to trust in him completely with everything, with your faith, with your hope, with love. And even though life situations aren't going well and aren't going the way that you planned it, the way that you seemed or the way that you intended it for, for it to go, you can still be full of faith 
full of hope and full of love when you intentionally trust in him. See, a few weeks ago, I started to talk about decisions that we need to make in our faith if we're going to have a life continually trusting in him. And uh, I spent the whole time talking about a decision to trust in his word, which really is the most important aspect in a Christian's life, trusting in his word. Because if you don't trust in his word, you're not going to trust anything else about him. You're not going to trust what the word of God says. You're not going to trust anything that any of that says or anyone tells you about him. So it's a real fundamental point. Um, and I expanded on Matthew seven twenty four to 27, when Jesus he uses a picture of building a house. And uh, he talked about building a house on sand compared to building a house on solid rock. And I'll read that scripture out quickly. Matthew seven twenty four to 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded their house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundations was on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded their house and it collapsed. It collapsed the great crash. So building a house on sand, it speaks of building your life on opinions, building a life on you know, desires or the ways of the world, building your life on what you think is right or your experiences or building your life on, you know, other people's opinions or other people's experiences or other people's view, view of life or what you see on internet or what you see on social media. That's what building your life on sand looks like. And the real test is sometimes it can feel like um, building your life on that is solid. Sometimes it can feel like building your life on someone's opinion or what they say about you or what they say about particular things is solid ground to stand on. But the real test for that will come when the storms of life blow, when something happens, when something hits you, when someone betrays you, someone lets you down, when you get disappointed in life, when things don't work out the way you want. That's when the real test comes. And the real test will be, will your house still be standing? Will your life still be standing? Or will it be showing cracks? And and that's the real test. See, the real test is, will fear and anxiety kick in when the when the storms of life come and you build your house on sand? Will the will worry set in? Will you start to develop habits of worry over a course of time? Will you start seeing things and blaming people and start to see things in a negative viewpoint? Is that that's the that's the signs of cracks in your life? And um, will you start getting angry? start getting angry at people, start getting angry at life. And we've seen that. I've seen that throughout my life and, and seen people and how they behave. Um, but when you build your, your house on rock, and that's what Jesus is saying, when you build your house on rock, and the last time that I talked about building a house on rock, I talked about pinning your life on the solid word, pinning your life on the, on the sure foundation of the rock of Jesus Christ. That speaks of building your life on his word. That's what it speaks of. Building your life on the rock means building your life on his word, the solid word of God. That's what building it is, building on his truth, building on his character, building on his promises. But the test, and the, and the test still comes. 
the test of life will still come. Even if you built on that sand, on that rock, on that solid ground, if you built and pinned on that sure foundation, we know that troubles will come. The Bible says troubles will come. Whether you're a Christian, when you're a believer, a non-believer, troubles will come. The real test is, will you still stand? That's the real test. Are you really standing on the rock? And what you find, what you'll find is that if your life is built on that solid ground, the storms will hit. You will be betrayed. You'll get disappointed. But all of a sudden you'll notice that you haven't collapsed yet. You start noticing that, hold on, I'm still standing. You're going to go, well, man, I've just gone through that, but I'm still in love. I'm still in faith. I'm still in hope. You start noticing that. And I've started noticing that in my life. And the thing is, something happens when you make a decision. When you make a decision to trust in God and to trust in his word above everything else around you, above your situations, above your circumstances, you start to notice that something on the inside activates. That decision causes an action. It causes something to activate within you. And you get activated. The activation is a a love that comes out, that pours out beyond your own understanding. Uh, 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 An assurance, a complete assurance that everything is under control. It's amazing what happens. Your spirit awakens. Your life begins to change. Your your behaviors start to change. And, And then you start to notice that you refuse to accept anything that contradicts the word. I've noticed that in my own life. You start to refuse harmful conversations. You start to refuse gossip. You start to refuse slander. People that are talking about you or people that are talking about other people. You start to refuse those conversations because you're standing. You're no longer needing that stuff. You're no longer desiring those things of the world because you're standing and you make a decision to stand on the truth of the word of God. You start to refuse conversations that could inflict harm on you or other people. You start to refuse to listen to lies, unforgiveness, divisiveness. You start to refuse that. And it's amazing to see. You start to invite the truth of God in your life more and more. And that's so powerful. When you start to trust in the word of God, when you start to put your your life on the firm foundation and pin your life on the word of God, you start to want more of his truth. You start to want more of his word, more of truth and life into your life. You'll start to refuse those things that are going to shift you away from that rock. And um, it's powerful. It's powerful. And when you decide to trust in his word, it means that you're trusting in God's character. And one of the main characteristics of God's love is his perfect love. And that's another firm decision that you've got to make if you want to continue to live a Christian life. You've got to trust in his perfect love. You trust in his word, or you can trust in his perfect word, if you like to call it that, or you tr- and you trust in his perfect love. You trust in the characteristic of God when you trust in his word. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 8, that God is love. Powerful. God has shown his perfect love through what he does. Everything that he does is influenced by his perfect love. One of God's greatest demonstrations of perfect love was the gift of Jesus to the world. First John 4, 9 to 10 says that God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world 
so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Think about this. Everything that God has ever done, everything throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament has been influenced by his love. It's all been done by his love. See, in Psalm 36, we see that the psalmist, he shows God's enduring, perfect love, endures forever. And the psalmist shows that God's perfect love is rooted in the truth that God is all, all God of all gods. He's the Lord of all lords. He is a sovereign God, that he is the one and only God through that, through that perfect love that he's talking about. He is a creator and giver of life and his love endures forever. See, 26 times Psalm 36 talks about God's perfect love. And I encourage you to read the whole Psalm. It's quite long to read now for the sake of time, but I encourage you to read it in your own time. In lockdown, you've got nothing else to do. You might as well read it. <laughs> See, the Hebrew word, and I've mentioned this before, the, the, the Hebrew word for God's love is actually hesed. We've heard of agape, but the Hebrew word in the Old Testament, love is translated, or Hebrew word is hesed, which is translated into love. And that word hesed, is used 250 times in the Old Testament. And I'm going to show you why. 26 of those times is in that Psalm 36. It describes God's perfect love. And when you translate it into English, you know, the Old Testament has, has attempted to um, translate that word, hesed, into love, into an unfailing love, into mul multiple versions of love, because that one word in the Hebrew means so many things. See, that one word means unfailing love. Hesed means unfailing love. Hesed means a steadfast, immovable love. Hesed means a faithful, loyal love. That's God's love. God is the same in the Old Testament. He's the same in the New Testament. Hesed means an unbreakable bond, a, committable, a committed love, an unshakable, unchanging love. That's God's perfect love for you. That's God's perfect love for this world. Hesed means a promise of a lifelong commitment to a loving relationship with us. His people. Powerful word for the perfect love. God's perfect love endures through all of eternity. It's an amazing love of God that we still need to try to comprehend. And the Bible says when we trust in His perfect love, you will live in His perfect love. It's powerful. Look at 1 John 4, 16 to 17. We know how much God loves us and we put our trust in His love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Ooh. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the, on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. See, when we trust in his word and in his perfect love, we live in God because God lives in us. We can live in perfect love. The love in us, we want us to connect with his love. Think about that. The love in us, we want us to connect and have a relationship with him. When we take on and we trust on his perfect love, it actually enters our heart because you, you take on something that you trust. You accept something that you trust. When you accept the perfect love of God, you actually want to love him back. It puts a desire in you to want to have a relationship with him. It puts that desire to want to connect with him. 
a desire to want to know him more, a desire to want to love others. Powerful. You won't be afraid of condemnation or judgment. You won't be afraid of guilt because you're in his perfect love. You're not afraid to live like Jesus in this world because you're strong and you remain confident and you remain standing. See, trusting in his word and living his perfect love will make you immovable. It will make you unshakable. It will make you unchanging and unfailing. So you can have a complete confidence that God, we have, we, we follow and we serve an all-knowing and all-powerful God, the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the sovereign God, the one that created things, the, the creator of heaven, earth, the creator that everything is made by him and for him. We can trust in him. We can trust in him. See, now more than ever, we need to put our hope in God's word. We need to put our hope and trust in his word and in his perfect love. I mean, we're in lockdown right now. I mean, we can't deny that. (laughs) You know, right now, the world is in complete chaos. Everyone's in fear. No one knows what to trust anymore. No one knows. Do you trust media? Do you trust government? There's so many things on the internet you can grab onto. The conspiracy, so many things you can grab onto. What do you trust? Everyone looks like they're telling the truth. What do you trust? How do you, how do you trust that? No one knows what to do. No one knows who to trust. You trust the government. Do you trust the media? Do you trust your friend in the backyard? I don't know. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? But because of that, people are afraid. People are worried. People are anxious. They're, they're in fear. People are becoming more and more unstable. Have you noticed that? People are becoming more on edge. Always edgy. They're becoming nastier. Man, they're becoming nastier. They're becoming more offensive to each other. Careless. No boundaries. No boundaries at all. See, if we put our trust in the world, if we Christians, if we put our trust in the world and the things of this world, we will be in fear. We will be in worry. We will be in anxiety as well, just like the rest of the world. See, the key for a believer to overcome fear is a complete, total trust in God, in his word, and in his perfect love. Amazing. Now look at the next chapter, straight after what I, was, what I just read from First uh, John 4. First John 4, uh, 18. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out all fear. Mate, not bad. Perfect love drives out all fear. The very key to drive out fear, anxiety, worry, is perfect love. Because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. Ask yourself, are you in fear? Are you worried? Are you anxious? We don't need to be in fear or worry and anxiety of what's happening right now and around the world. You know, the truth is, we've been forewarned about it. The Bible talks about it already. Jesus, he forewarns about the things that are happening, at the things that are going to happen in this world. We've been forewarned. We don't need to act surprised. Like, how did this happen? How come? How, how did, we don't need to act like that. We don't need to. 
because we've been forewarned. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to preach end times. You, you can go in your own study and go to the Bible. There's plenty of talk about end times there. I just want to give you a bigger picture, a bigger perspective on your life in the world and this life in this world. Luke 21, 9 to 11, Jesus is saying this. When you hear of wars and rebellions, don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Indeed, it is necessary that these things take place first, but the end won't come right away. Then he told them, nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be violent earthquakes and famines and plagues in various places, and there will be terrifying sights and great signs from heaven, and it keeps going on and on. But God forewarned us of wars. In the last 120 years alone, we've had two world wars. In the last 120 years, on top of those two world wars, we've had 50 other wars in 120 years. And now nuclear threats to wipe out nations. We've seen earthquakes increase. Millions of people have died. And they're becoming more intense. Scientists are saying since the 1950s, every 10 years, earthquakes multiply on the world. That's not getting any better. It's multiplying every 10 years since the 1950s. In the last 120 years, we've, we've been through multiple plagues and pandemics. We've had the Spanish flu, influenza, AIDS, chlorella, Ebola, yellow fever, and many, many more. And now COVID. It's happening. God forewarned us already. See, we live in an imperfect world. And that's the truth. We live in an imperfect, broken world, an unpredictable world. And we've been forewarned of the things to come so that we do not need to be alarmed. We do not need to be afraid. Let's not be afraid to acknowledge that this world is broken and unpredictable. We don't need to be afraid of that. Many are looking for normal. You know, we're all trying to look for the normal again. But the truth is, there is no normal. There's never been a normal. That's the truth. This world has never been in a normal. It might look like a false peace. It might look like it, but it's not a normal. We can't put our trust in this world. We can't. It's like building our life on sand if we do that. We can live in this world, but we don't have to trust the things of this world. And obviously, we're living in this world. See, putting our life and putting our trust in the world and the things of this world and in some kind of normality is very foolish to do. The world will always be fainting in fear. You know, the scripture straight after, uh, after Jesus was talking, he said that people will faint in fear because of the expectation of things to come in this world. And in Matthew, he talks about it again, and he says that men's hearts will fail. People will be so afraid of the things to come. People will be so afraid of the things that they're living through right now. You know, we hear of uh, when, when, uh, when a country or economy collapses, many people commit suicide. Many people just give up because their, the economy, everything that they work for is gone and it's disappeared. Men's hearts will fail in this world when people put their trust in this world. The world will always be fainting from fear. The world will always be in worry and anxiety in every situation, every circumstance, every pandemic. The world will always be in worry, always be in fear. But Jesus tells the believer in John 14, 1, don't let your hearts be troubled. 
Hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust God. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Those who trust in God, those who trust in his perfect word, those who trust in his perfect love will not be in fear. Powerful. Our hope is not in this world. Yes, we live in this world, but our hope is in an internal God with an internal kingdom. Our hope is in the living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. What a powerful God. He saved us. He saved us. When you trust in his word and you trust in his perfect love, you will see life from his perspective. How powerful is that? You will have the courage to face the truth and not pretend. You know, many people try to pretend to try to overcome or, or just to try to get by in their life and, and just ignore it. You know, that word ignorance is bliss. If you, if you don't know about it, better I don't know because people need to cope. People don't want to hear too much. Otherwise, they're just going to faint. They're going to collapse in fear. But we don't need to. We can acknowledge what's going on in this world. We don't need to be afraid to acknowledge it. We can face the truth. We're not afraid to to face the truth when we're in his perfect love. When you're in his perfect love, you'll live in his light and in his truth, and you will share it to the world. Now, the Bible says that we are representing the light of the world in Christ to the world. We've got to represent it. We've got to represent it well. You know, when you trust him, you will live a godly life. You will live a godly life. When you trust him, you will continue to do what is morally and ethically. God is good. God is good. You will live a life of faith. You will live a life of trusting him. When you trust him, you will live a life of faith. You will live a life of hope. You will live a life of love. You will be in perfect peace. How powerful is that? As I was talking about Jesus, who the Bible says is the Prince of Peace. Powerful. Paul echoes and confirms this for us in Philippians 4, 7. Then you'll experience God's peace will exceed anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See, we can have a perfect peace because we trust in him. We can have a perfect peace because we trust in his word. We can have a perfect peace because we trust in his love. Despite what's going on around you, despite what is happening around the world, regardless of the circumstances, you can have a perfect peace even when the world is telling you something different. You can live in God. You can live with him, completely trusting. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Let me pray for you right now. Father God, we thank you for this, your word this morning. We thank you, Father God. We thank you that we can live in an imperfect world, yet trust in a perfect God. We thank you for your perfect word. We thank you for your perfect love. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Jesus. Today, we make a decision this morning, right now, we make a decision to trust in your word, to trust in your perfect love. And we thank you, Lord God, that your perfect love casts out all fear. Thank you, Father. Right now in your life or in your heart, if you haven't experienced this kind of love or 
Maybe you've moved away or you've, you've stepped away. How about we declare and just pray with me right now. Dear Jesus, I confess you are Lord. I declare my trust in you, Lord. I entrust my life in your hands. I trust you in your word. I trust in your perfect love. Lead me into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Father.